morning, good afternoon, and good evening to our wonderful listeners out there. Welcome to 11 Pieces of Me. I'm back. My name's Ali Thompson. Back once again after my dose of man flu last week and not be able to make it with the kids being not well. But back again with my partner in crime, Mr. Gav Haberty. How the hell are you, mate? Cracking show last week. Sorry I missed it. No, it was. It was a great show. Broke record numbers. An awful lot of praise for the hosts. But you were missed. It didn't sound like it, to be fair. But um, uh, thanks for the sentiment. <laughs> you didn't. You, a lot was edited out. An awful lot was edited out. Dave was a fucking nightmare, to be honest. So what you're saying is Dave's got an agenda and he's trying to take over. Exactly. Yeah, well, you should be a happy boy this week after our classical last week. So oh, yep. Hopefully I don't have to put up with too much suffering here. I'm, I'm, I'm over it. Good, good, good. Anyway, let's crack on. Our regular wrestlers know the crack, but anyway, all new listeners for the show, this is just for a little bit of fun. Guests get to come on and talk about their favourite players growing up. Not always about the best, but just someone who means something to them. They pick a formation, players to play in each place, and they must choose a captain. Like that, Gav? They must. <laughs> <laughs> and our only stipulation we have for them is all players must be retirers. Joining us tonight is all the way from Buffalo, New York, as a writer and podcaster, and a vocal supporter of this show from earlier on. So thanks a lot for that. It's Yellow Card SCB on Twitter, Mr. Stephen Brandt. Welcome to the show, buddy. How's things? Hey, not bad. At least, at least when I was when I was walking home today, I'm like, oh wait, that's right. I gotta be old. I gotta be doing something because usually on Fridays I put my feet up after work, have have a bottle of whiskey next to me, read, you know, do the normal stuff. I'm like, oh, that's right. I've been Playing for this since the beginning of the show, so a bottle of whiskey. You sound like you're from Scotland. <laughs> it's it's funny. Um, I've grown up in the states. You guys have people that are in the states, but I'm a little different. I'm not from another country. I don't live in another country in the state in the in the country like Kentucky. I don't live in that foreign place. I've grown up around people either from the UK or with PBS because I don't really, I don't know how you guys get this, but over here, all through, UK is kind of huge here and it's kind of like PBS is there. So I'm used to, I'm used to hearing this. I'm used to, I'm used to like my dad used to joke with me because I'm allowed to watch as much of the sport around him as possible. And he joked with me, oh, it was right at the time that Kenny Doglish came back to Liverpool. He's doing this interview. And my dad's like, do you want do you want me to switch on a caption? I'm like, Dad, SAP over here means Spanish, not Scottish. So, Well, Stephen, who, who do you support? Oh, a lot of teams. And one's going to make you really aggravated. I'm a Liverpool fan because of a Celtic guy. So, Liverpool football club, fan of... I don't know how you deal with. It. I don't know how you deal with it, Gav. I'm getting really used don't. to it. Just getting used to it. It's just you know when you're scraping the bottom for guests. I suppose that's all you can do is just get Liverpool fans on. So yeah, exactly because we're like because we're like we're like Arsenal fans here in the states. Every time you think you you've walked away from one, there are about twenty more that come by. Well, give us your formation. Okay, it's a four-three-three. Ah, now see, this is my type of man. There we go, Gav. That keep you happy? That's it. See, that's it. the man knows the stuff. Right, let's fire away straight away, Stephen. Let's give us a goalkeeper. 
My goalkeeper, and I'm surprised I haven't heard this guy's name at least once, Gordon Banks. Very true. I think, in defence, it's mainly because of the age of a lot of the guys we've had on. Um, but top goalkeeper, tell, tell us why. Well, it's a couple reasons, because when I started out to do this, I thought about what got me into the sport, and it's different for what got you guys into it, because you guys grew up around the sport. I had to watch it on YouTube because America didn't have soccer, sorry, football, for about 10 years. So every player that we had to find out about was on YouTube. So I wanted to at least have a player on here that played over in, in played over here in the United States. And it, Gordon, Gordon came over here and played with the Fort Lauderdale Strikers in the 70s. And he was known for just play, playing with the guys. He, he came to do goalkeeping practices, kind of an out playing for there. And plus, you know, he was a he was a really fun goalkeeper because in America, we don't get star goalkeepers come over here at all because that's just not something MLS is going to do. They're not going to put a DP contract on a big-time big time goalkeeper. So someone you had to bring in was that. I mean, most of my favorite goalkeepers aren't retired. I mean, the Juventus goalkeeper is my favorite goalkeeper, and he's going to – He's going to be probably still playing when he's ninety, anyway. Yeah, I think I think he's the favorite goalkeeper of many. Stephen, uh, yeah. we have a lot of people who don't want to come on until he's retired. <laughs> exactly, um, which is going to be forever. Do you know what you've got a point? And I mean, people, as you say, we we take it for granted. Growing up watching these players week in week out, whereas for yourself, it didn't really happen. I mean, and, and a goalkeeper isn't the most attractive player over there as well when when Americans I guess are seeing football they're seeing the forwards and the midfielders and yeah. the goalkeepers as you say no no team wants to spend the, the money on a goalkeeper well what you were saying nobody wants to st- spend me on a goal goalkeeper I mean I know we were talking about the Galaxy did do that once they did spend a lot on a goalkeeper unfortunately he was at the end of his career and he was Carlo Cudicini so that he lasted two games at the most. So you're not going to see that over here where, and you don't see, you guys can know this, goalkeepers don't change change clubs that often. I mean, Pepe Reina has gone between many, couple clubs, but you're not going to see, a, once you get a good goalkeeper, you've got him. Do you want to hear an interesting fact about Gordon Banks? My great uncle played against him for Ireland. Hmm. Really? Wait. Yeah. My great uncle's name was Joseph Haverty, played for Arsenal. Played over 100 games for Arsenal, played for Republic of Ireland and played against England many a time and played against the great Gordon Banks. My father actually met Gordon Banks on a boat from Dublin to Hollyhead, is it? I think it's Hollyhead, but um, my father also had a drink with him as well. That must be amazing. As you say, the stature of... Old Gordon Banks in itself is just is more than enough and just a great honour for as you say, your great uncle and your father. So, and I suppose like everything else, he is part of that 1966 World Cup winning side. Well, but unfortunately, we we didn't see him, Ali. <laughs> well, no, that's it. We've, again, like like yourself, Stephen. We've seen all the the video clips, um, and I mean, we know all the stats. I mean, as as Gav said, we've not seen him, so we really can't talk much about. But, I mean, as you say, like he's a World Cup winner. He's been voted That's the second safe. best goalkeeper 
um, of all time on certain lists, you know, behind the, is it Yashin and Dino Zoffer are always up mm-hmm. there. So, I mean, what, there's not much more you can say. He's a World Cup winner. And he never really played for the creme de la creme, did he, in club career? Leicester. Che- you know, Chesterfield was where he got the majority of his caps. Career ended, obviously, in a, a low with a, I think it was a car accident. Yeah. Um, and lost sight in an eye or, or maybe, it must have just been one eye because I think he, he came to America after that. But, you know, so it was a, a, a disappointing end. But just the, the stature of the man and just to win a World Cup for your country, I mean, that's enough in its own, isn't it, to be regarded as one of the best? Give us one of your wing-backs. I'm going to see on the wing-backs. Is, is, one of, is probably one, one of Ali's, from one of Ali's favourite teams, Danny McCrain. Ah, Danny McGrain, what a player. I mean, Gav, you know him well. Oh, yeah. Who was he? <laughs> Gav, come on. Right, Stephen, tell us about him. Tell us why Danny, you've chosen him. When I put this together, I wanted to incorporate a couple players that I've been reading about. I've got into this real part about reading about the Lisbon Lions and all the way to about 89 of Celtic history because, I don't again, I don't get that deep love that you guys got. And one of the things that I always read... Uh, is Danny towards, McGrain. Yeah. I said McGrain. What the fuck's he talking about? Sorry, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. My apologies for interrupting you. You're joking that a lot of people don't understand my my accent either, and I'm full-blooded American. I can't, I'd hate to see what other people are going, huh? No, Danny McGrain, and he doesn't. Well, he wasn't really played in the beginning with Jack Stein towards the end of his career. I mean, towards the end of Jack Stein's career, because Danny McGrain came up with... Uh, Lou Marcry, Kenny Doglish, Davey Hay. He came up with that quality streak gang that basically blitzed the all the youth team. And I wanted to have someone on because it, it could have been easy if I wanted to go and pick players from Celtics history. I could have just picked I could have just plucked the Lisbon lines, gone, okay, one right here, one right here, one right here, one right here, and it would have been fine. Because there are some great players there. Because I've watched some I've watched the clips of that. So it would have been easy. But I wanted to pick someone that was an offensive player because I don't like center halves at all. Now, I know a bunch of former MLS center halves, so I'm not trying to mock them. But defense just bores the heck out of me because, again, I'm an American. We need to see high scoring. But I like Danny McGrain, and he's also always been one of my assistants on football manager, too. So, No, no better reason to pick a player than football manager. Yeah, of uh, course. Right, Gav, now you know who the player is. Yeah, well, I know he played for the Lisbon Lions. Um, as I said, it, it's... Unfortunately, no. you're, you're talking about an era where Danny McGrain, I'd have, seen, I'd have seen his name on certain lists, but in order to find out players like this, you're going to have to really, really dig deep. But yeah. he was part of that historic 1967. No, um, he was after. He was after, was it? McGrain came up in the 70s because what happened is Jack Stein wanted to replace the Lisbon Lions. He came up with that youth group with um, Kenny Dalglish that were all built around kind of Jack Stein wanted to do another Lisbon Lions. And unfortunately, towards the end of his career, Jack Stein just didn't stay because Robert Kelly was not giving him the funds, did not want him to expand it. So McGrain was was brought in to start replacing them because Jack Steve started stripping that team pretty much out of the go. I mean, Murdoch left to Mil- Middlesbrough. I mean, people were just getting 
going on. And John Jinky Johnstone came over here. Lennox came over here. I think there was another one that came over too, but he kind of stayed until about the mid eighties. And then he went to, he went to manage in the lower leagues and I'm pretty sure he's still around at Celtic at this point. What was the name? What was the nickname of that Celtic football team? That's the Quali Street Gang. That's right. Well, there's a player to be checked out on YouTube, no doubt. Yeah. And do you mind me asking, Steve? What age are you? I'm 38. Yeah. It's just you. It's you can tell you the the research that you've put in, you know, to the Celtic team. Um, I mean, I've read up on on Danny and and the team as well. I mean, like Gavin, I've not really seen much of him. Just heard the stories and read all about them. See, here's the thing that you guys got that I didn't get is that you guys grew up around the sport. Your family got to take you to these games. We did it in the States. And one of my undergrad degree is in history. So when I got into the sport, I didn't want to be like the typical American and have a shirt from every top team and every year have adopt a new team. I wanted to look at the teams and figure out what best suited me. Because as an American, I can't grow into a team. Like, you guys probably didn't, you guys were probably told, because I've heard this many times, is that you were just brought as a young player to games. You didn't get, okay, today I'm a Blackburn fan. Not that anybody would want to do that. I went and, dis- I went and looked into this, and, and you guys have seen, I mean, you guys have seen the articles I've written over over the well, last 10 years is that I want to go back and fill in the stuff because this generation doesn't know what happened before 92 or Chelsea fans don't know that there was a sport before 03. Yeah, that's, that's a fair point. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. your, your articles are something special, especially for anyone who has the, the historic, uh, how, how can I put it, the passion um, like yourself. Uh, yeah. they, they are incredibly detailed and I do highly encourage anyone out there who has any any interest at all and especially the Celtic ones you've written are, are just so detailed it's unbelievable it's fortunate now and the next generation the guys younger than me are going to really benefit from this is that there's so much out there there is so much out there to read about like you can read about like Gavin you're a Gavin you're a Studiantes fan they how good they were great in the 60s Oh yeah, Jesus, they were the amazing team in the sixties. I think they were the first um, team to win the Copa Libertadores three times. Yeah, they went. Yeah, they went three times in a row. And they and I wrote that one about AC Milan a while back about the um, basically they just bombarded players. But that's what the sport is: is that you have to look deeper because yeah, you can go read about the start of the Premier League. And we re- realize that's all it is. Or you could just be an MLS fan and think of that MLS has only been around since the underwear model came over. That's not the case. You have to look deeper into this because it's not worth. It's not worth not. It's not worth just knowing that Frank. There was only one Frank Lampard because there wasn't. His father played. That's correct. Yeah, that's a, that's a fair point. And I mean, as you say, we're spoiled, so we just got to hope. Yeah. And I don't see it changing any, to be honest. I think, as you said, things that I touch your finger about now on YouTube that I think less and less reading kind of happens because people can just click and just watch something and everybody wants it there and now without having to do any work on it now. Yeah, exactly. So, but that's. But as that's I, I highly encourage anyone to check out your pieces because they are. The, the work you must put into them 
is is something else. Um, and as I say, the Danny McGrain pick again, just from reading about him, and I have a lot of family who are, who are like old Fern fans and talk about him and can't say enough about him. So it's a quality pick for me. Who's your Who's your left back? I'm going to go to a Lisbon line, Tommy Gamel. Tommy Gamel, what a pick! Because the, the the trouble again with being an American is I wanted to slot players somewhat in to where they could be. Because I could have easily done four center halves, four great center halves. Because, I mean, again, we could have picked the Milan defense of the 60s. We could have picked Maladini easy. But I wanted to at least get someone in each position that played that position. And he was part of the Lisbon Lions, so obviously he was very, very good. And the fact that he played in a time, and I don't think people understand this nowadays, is that the numbers on the back of the jerseys actually mean something. They're not, oh, I like the way this jersey number looks on me or have it written into their contracts. If you had a number on your position, that's where you were. Then that were sometimes the only players came on because up until about the 70s, there were no substitutes. You've got 11 players and that was it. So you had to pick it. And I liked, I liked Tommy because he, he was a good, he was a good gritty player, and I I like players like that. I also do like a holes, and I could have done a whole starting eleven of complete a holes, but Barton's not retired yet, so I can't do that. So, <laughs> look, look. Uh, to be fair, it's it's been the most interesting selection we've had so far. It's you know, unfortunately, we're not in a position to. Like we haven't seen these players now. As I said, Gordon Banks, Danny McRae, and Tommy Gemmell, these are legends within their own right. And anyone who's listening, especially listening to the way Stevens speaking about them, if you want to see them, I'm sure they can be found. But Tommy Gemmell was part of that famous Lisbon Lions who won the 1967 European Cup final. And here's another beautiful little staff here. All of that team, guess you probably don't even know this, Stephen. All of that team lived within 10 miles. Of Celtic Park. Yeah, because that's that what people don't get that over here is that these at a certain point there was not much a scouting network as there is now. I mean, nowadays, if Celtic wants to go find the top young left back, they can go around the world because they've got an international academy that goes around the world. They they could just used to be able just to go around the area. Now, there were some people that went outside of it. I mean, I mean like, like Brian Clough went further from where he played. Um, Stanley Matthews went fur- went further from where he lived. But as far you had to do that. And Celtic was lucky that they were able to do that. I mean, to grow your own Champions League side, not Champions League, European Cup side, that's something you probably will never see again, ever. I mean, IX is not going to win another cup because they don't spend fifty-seven million on a center half or a, or a center forward from like Barcelona or Santos, or they don't go get Marlos Moreno out of Colombia. You don't grow the players anymore. You just ah. Uh, to be fair, Steve, I have to cut you off there. Now, two thousand eleven Barcelona, they had nine. Lamassier players in that squad. Knowing youth players come through that squad. 
Barcelona is different, and I will point it out this way only because, and you could you could point you could point this out. What what part of Spain was Messi born in? He wasn't. He was born in Rosario. Yeah, exactly. Now I'm not arguing with you that with with that point. They all comes from their academy, but there was a certain point in time where you weren't going overseas. True. True. I hear, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I hear yeah. What you're saying. Yeah. Now in 2011, yeah, Barcelona with that name, they came over to they came over to L.A. and took a 12 year old from the L.A. from the old Chivas United Chivas USA team and brought him over. It's international scouting nowadays, and it's going to make the sport better all over the world. But at this time, Jock Steen and his predecessor just had to walk to the local park and get it. If you walk to the local park in your area, how many kids do you think you could pull out of your area, Gav and Ali, that could play even in a fourth division? Yeah, I think you're right there. I mean, to, to, be, the, to be that lucky, as you say, to, to have a, a full squad of top-tier players come through at the same time. I mean, Gav pointed out the Barcelona team who all came through the same. Is it, I think it's the Youth Academy, Gav. Um, like, all homegrown-type players or qualified as homegrown. I mean, how often does that happen? I mean, you could say the United team, you know, they're, they're famous. No, you um, the, Yeah, the class of 92. Um, but these are rarities. I mean, how often do they happen where you're getting that many local-ish or at least <laughs> You know, from the same academy all the way up, it's it is such a rarity um, for it, especially to be all at that top tier. I mean, not even that all United's were really, because let's be fair, it's Gary Neville and Phil Neville were included in that. Um, but they were surrounded by great players. But just to even have them to be able to play at that competent level, um, it's just it's incredibly lucky, and and it, it will very rare happen again. I mean, Gav, I, I know you pointed out the two thousand and nine Barcelona team. Um, Eleven. Uh, 2011, sorry. But, I mean, how, how how often will that happen again now? Especially the further and further we go into the modern era where more and more football come in. And it, and it will only be clubs like Barcelona. And I hate to say that. Being a, oh, no, 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 no. Being a real, to be fair. But, but they be, will, though, be, because they're still quite a homegrown club, Gav. At least they do still try and develop their own, or at least buy them young and develop them within their own system. Well, to be fair to Real Madrid with the La Fabrica, which is the... Um, Real Madrid's La Masia, you have some sensational young players that have to come through that youth academy. So, I agree, but how many no, of them will get the chance because it's Real Madrid and because of the president? Well, we see. We have to see what happens if it's, it's so. like everything else. Oh well, Jesus, so do I. But I'll tell you, moving on. Let's give us one of your centre backs. I'm sure you've known this guy and seen him, and I, he's been on before. It's Franz Beckenbauer. Yes, didn't you say you weren't a fan as well, Gavin? No, I am a friend of Beckenberg. Um, that was... Oh, who, who Matthias. Matthias, yeah. Oh. It. Yeah, my bad. Anyway, Stephen, give us your Beckenbauer reason. Well... Liberero. Well, one of two reasons why is that he he was one of the first players... Now, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the the documentary Once in a Lifetime. It's the story of how Sony music bought the cosmos and decided to make the first real Galacticos over here. And one of the points they wanted to do was have a captain from each nation on their team. Now, obviously in the seventies, United States didn't have a national team because we didn't really have a sport at that point. But 
Franz Beckenbauer was the best defender they could get out of Europe that would come over. And when he was here in it, when he was here in the United States, Cosmos won titles. When he went back, the Cosmos stopped winning titles. When he came back again, they won a title again. So he was the true backbone of the team. He made it run and he kept, he kept at least the other prima donnas on the team from being too, too out there. And he also proved the point that a lot of players have said Franz over in Europe couldn't go anywhere without being mobbed, came over to New York city. And he's just a tall German walking around New York city and not being bo- bothered at all. Incredible clear, Gav. I mean, what can you say about him? Yeah, well, you know, the man invented the position, the Libero. Yes. Very few players since, but very few players since Beckenbauer has been able to take that particular role. In today's game, you would say the likes of PK tries to play, but he's nowhere near it. Absolutely nowhere near it. But he's one of the few in the modern game that would you could label as Libero, but... Franz Beckenbauer, I mean, he's synonymous with Bayern Munich. He's won absolutely everything. He was the first pl- player and manager to win a World Cup, if I'm not mistaken. I do believe yeah. you're correct, yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's, it's, he's part of the, one of the parts of the world I haven't really looked into or written too much about. Because the thing is, over here is Bayern Munich actually is here. They have a, their own office here in the United States. So it's easy to talk to Bayern Munich or ha- have them come around. So they have something like Franz Beckenbauer. I know Franz Beckenbauer nowadays is different than Franz Beckenbauer then because the sport has gone really corrupt. But for what he is, when you want to watch, and I, I'm a refu- I'm a coach of refugees here in the United States, and I tell my kids. Instead of going on and playing FIFA and going on and playing the street, go on to YouTube and watch your position. Don't go on and sit there and watch Gareth Bale. Don't watch Wayne Rooney. Don't watch the star positions. Watch what you play because you'll be able to pick things up. People, our generation didn't get the chance when we were playing to watch ourselves. You could, Allie, you couldn't watch a player from your generation. At all. You had to wait until the chat shows or the shows afterwards. Nowadays, after if you have a Wi-Fi connection, you can pop up, okay, I'm going to watch Kenny Daglish in 77. I'm going to watch Lionel Messi any day of the week. So I, I like to, I want to, when I studied for this, and I did put a lot of effort into this, I went and actually looked at the players because sometimes what we have, I don't know if you guys have this with players, is, you have a preconceived notion in their head that they are what they are. But when you actually go back and study them, they might be better than we thought. Yeah, I think you've got a point there. Um, we definitely do have a, an automatic bias over players and stuff. Stephen, give us your next centre-back. He's gonna be, he's, he was, was Franz Beckenbauer's partner in the backfield. It's Carlos Alberto Torres. He was, he was Brazil's centre-back in the 70s, and he was with the Cosmos. Great gentleman, another one who played all over here in America, and he was part of he was part of the way to get and to keep Pele here in the states. Is that you had another compatriot there, and he was a very fun player to watch. 
A player I can say I've never heard of, to be honest. Uh, Gav? Yes, Carlos Alberto is synonymous with the one of World Cup greatest ever goals in 1970 against Italy. He scored that goal. Oh, yes. I show YouTube it and check it out. No, yeah, knowing yeah. you, Ali, you will really, really like him. He's one of those hidden gems. And I wanted to bring one or two players in here that you guys didn't really know most of, but were great enough where it wasn't. I was finding some Roger Rodner Clavin type of player or some backup on a team that was wanted to find somebody to go, okay, that guy's really good. Yeah, Carlos Alberto, um, double World Cup winner. Played for, obviously, played alongside Pele in that extraordinary, what's become to be known for, to a lot of people as one of the greatest international sides ever, but not for me, but yeah. for a lot of lot of people. Yeah, exactly. Give us your first midfielder. Um, Maradona. I know, now we're talking. I, I struggled with the midfield because there are so many things you can do in the sport with midfielders all over the world, all over the world. And I thought about it. I like in a field, I like an a-hole. I like to have at least one a-hole or one thug on my team. I could have put Tony Woodcock. I could have put Vinnie Jones. I mean, Vinnie Jones still scares me, and I never saw him play live. But Maradona was an a-hole. I mean, everything else he did in Napoli with his small time in Barcelona, but and what he did, what he did, the hand of God, which is fun. I, I'm glad for that. But he was a. I've watched some of his stuff, and for his stature, and I don't think people get that. I and I don't think Americans get that. Is you don't have to be a huge player to be a great football player. Maradona is not that big, but at the end of his career, and he's kind of become kind of a joke nowadays. But he truly was outstanding to watch. I don't think he's really become a joke, as say. I guess I can see I can see why that. But I think everyone just still respects the the player and the, the outrageous ability he had. I mean, Gav, I don't know how many times you talk about his Napoli days and how godlike he is in the city. Yeah, Maradona is one of the greatest footballers of all time. We have look if there's any if there's any player that's ever come close to him, or to be fair, even superseded them to a point, it is Messi, and we've talked about it before, Maradona is one of those footballers where he he's always been controversial, he was actually awarded, award by FIFA, I think it was in 2000 where he was voted by the public, player of the century, and in order not to upset Pelé, FIFA invented, they just invented this other award to give to Pele, and Maradona was disgusted. So in terms of being a self-centered prick, he was, but he backed it up on the pitch. And people talk about his Argentinian, you know, 1986, of course he's revered for it. But if you want to see Maradona, the player, Maradona, the legend, Maradona, the myth, it's playing for Napoli. No, nobody goes to a club like Napoli and transcends it from a, not so much a small team, but a team that's nowhere near the big teams like AC Milan, Juventus, and basically put it up to them and beat them. And the man is a god. I mean, the man has shrines in Napoli. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, 
as you said, like, there's nothing more we can say much more. That he, he is godlike to too many, um, and rightly so. And it is unfortunate some of the stuff that he is remembered for. You just hope that people do take the time, especially younger people, to go watch old stuff of him and, and see the player, the, the genius that he was. Give us the next midfielder. My next one, and this guy's been on once, and I, I was surprised it was, is Carlos Valderrama. Now, to people, to most people, he's just that crazy guy with a big head, but he was the first star player to come to MLS. In the early in the 90s, it was just, we brought back all the Americans from overseas, and it was Carlos Valderrama. And from people I know who played against him, is that he was just a class above himself. He he didn't have to try that hard. He was a fun player. Now, it would have been, at that point, MLS at that point would have been like playing against 11 podcasters with Valderrama playing there. And he kind of bowed out towards, he bowed out towards the end. And he, he still isn't associated with MLS, but he's kind of one of those mythical gods in the league. And it's only, the league's only been around for 20 plus years. But, the stories you hear about him from former players is that he's held to the point he's held here like some of the best midfielders in your countries is that he's a god here. Gav, Carlos Valderrama, apart from the hair. Ah, yeah, Carlos Valderrama is an absolute legend. Obviously, he's one of he's one of football's most recognizable characters. But beyond the appearance, he. He was a special player. To go, Simon Edwards had him in his team and invoked a story that was trying to explain that if you want, Carlos Valderrama was around that time in the 90, in the late eighties, early nineties, where you had Pablo Escobar, and Pablo Escobar had a serious, serious influence over that Colombian team, where you had arguably. The most gifted Colombian sides ever. Potential winners of the 1994 World Cup, only for it to be, what would you say, predetermined that if they didn't do what was expected of them, there would have been serious trouble. Carlos Valderrama wasn't the captain, the great Andres Escobar was, but it's an amazing story. It's an incredible documentary. It's called The Two Escobars. But to get back to Carlos Valderrama, he did make his name in La Liga as well. He had uh, good spells with Valladolid. And, yeah, he's a cracking player, an absolute smashing player. I, I just remember the hair. Um, but I, I do remember you and Simon's chat, especially the documentary, which I did go on to watch. And it is a fascinating watch for everybody as well. But, I mean, there's not much more I can add to you. I mean, you know the player much better than me, Gab. I remember the hair. I remember seeing him at international tournaments. Um, I mean, everybody just loved him for his hair, even if they didn't know him. I mean, any more from you, Stephen, on Valderrama? No, not much. I mean, I, I still, it's what, because I wanted to associate it back to the MLS, but it was one of those, it was one of, he was one of those players that, again, he's the midfielder in the sport here that is talked about above all the other imports that we brought over or the broken down players from Europe. He wasn't broken down. He could still play. I think that's what the, need, the league needs more. I mean, we said it pre-pod. Maybe a few more players like that who are who are still in 
shape and still able yeah. to go and, and actually chose to go over there, not just you know finish their career there. You need more young players, unless Lothar Mahias, who came over and said, "I'm just I'm just here for the paycheck," and they could add the the old the old team that preceded the New York Red Bull had had trouble trying to get, even get him on the field because he was out partying too much. Yeah, well, I mean, let's, at least he's honest. Yeah. What more can you say? Give, give us your third and last midfielder. And this is going to get Gavin to laugh. Um, he, he's the Jordy Messi, Ray Hudson. What? Ray, you guys don't remember, Ray Hudson played. Ray Hudson was one of the stri- one of the Fort Lauderdale strikers' best players in the 70s and 80s. They went toe-to-toe with with the old Cosmos and the old Tampa Bay Rowdies out there. And I know, I know people who say, say it, that he was a vastly underrated player. He was not one of the star players that came over here, but for what Ray was, and I've gone back to watch him. He had a heck of a passing eye. He still had his, he could still play up until the nineties when he was coaching with, with Miami fusion and, and DC United, that he had such a great passing eye that he could pick out where players were going. And the North American Soccer League at the time, we people give MLS a bad name for the retirement league. The old North American Soccer League was that. Players just came over to get the rich contracts and sit, and sit on the beach. Ray Hudson never left. Ray Hudson's still here. I mean, he's still, he, still call, he still calls by... Barcelona matches, and he still talks about his good old days with the Strikers. Right, Gav. Ray Hudson. I've never heard of him. Yeah, uh, Newcastle. And he is possibly one of the most famous slash infamous football commentators in the world at the moment. He's, um, his, what would you call them, exploits whilst he's doing um, La Liga matches. The funny, controversial, biased to a point, depending on who, who he's talking. Want to call them? He's he's funny, but I've never seen him play football. See, that's that's the thing, Gav. Nobody really saw him play because in the states we didn't cover the game. It was thrown on TV on like a Saturday. And when I heard when I when I got into the sport, I had heard, oh, Rocky Ray Hudson. This, 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 I'm like, what is this? What is this Englishman spouting out and being like, is he a comedian? Because all he does is, I mean, and he has a morning show here in the States, and he's the same way on his show. I'm like, what is this Yahoo doing on, on there? And I come to find out the guy actually played, and he, play, he played in Germany for a bit too. But I had to, th- I had to throw some Barcelona collections in here. Ray will always talk about Barcelona. You could be sitting here on his show talking about Chelsea playing Sunderland, and Lionel Messi will be brought into the conversation. No offense or buts. Or Gareth Bale will be brought into it. Oh, yeah. His, his, his description of Messi and his goals are they're brilliant. They're, they are funny. But at the same time, he gets an awful lot of bad press because of, because of that. He, he does come across as fairly biased. Um, he follows me on Twitter. I follow him back. He's he, he's a good laugh at times. He will interact with you, but yeah, unfortunately, it's just he's one of those players that 
he's he's probably more famous for his commentary than his, his football and exploits. It's the same way that we get over here with Alexi Lawless. People don't get the concept that over here, this guy actually played. He's not this wackadoodle that's on Twitter yelling and screaming at people and being being a fail being I think he thinks of himself as a rock star. I have no clue. But he's kind of the same boat with that. And I it was one of those things. It was either I'm putting him in the I'm either pointing him in there or it's gonna be fat Frank Lampard. So it was one one of the two and I was like, yeah. I'll put Ray Hudson in. Right. Well, now it's exciting three players. I mean, as you say, you're American, you like high scoring, so you've put a lot of pressure on yourself to come up with a quality three here. So let's take your... Are you going for two wingers and a striker? Yeah. Right. Let's take your left winger. Johan, Johan Cruyff. I had to put Cruyff in just for his exploits of all over the world. He was... He was he was an interesting character when he got over here to the States, but as far as what he's done overseas, I mean, you could still see his fingers in the sport. And some of his goals, I mean, the Cruyff turn is well known. And he, the books about his philosophy and stuff, I mean, he was truly one of those oddball thinkers in the game. And just some of the stuff he put out there on the field, I don't think many, I don't think many forwards are going to be able to pull off any of that stuff. Like, there's, there's no conversation on football where Cruyff should not be included. I mean, he is football. Um, I mean, Gav, I'm, I'm not going to talk much about him because I know your love for him. So just like you take it away, buddy. Yeah, Johan Cruyff is one of my all-time favourite footballers. He's probably my all-time favourite footballer that I've never actually seen play live. But I've spent countless, and I mean countless hours, studying, researching who he is, listening to him. Uh, Stephen refers to him as being a bit odd. That's one way of looking at it. But I always like to look at it and go, he was just, he was too clever for his own good. Way too clever for his own good. He he seen the game four or five steps ahead of any other player. We don't see players like this today. He put into place what we see today in Barcelona. Without him, there's no Messi. Without him, there's no Xavi, Iniesta. Ronaldinho. He created that legacy for Barcelona. We owe him absolutely everything. His quotes are as good as as good as anything he'll ever read. My all-time favourite quote is why couldn't you be a richer club? As I've never seen a bag of money score a goal. I mean, that's just the way the man used to think. Yeah, it was even to a point. I wrote an article about his time in Washington. He, it was really towards the end of his career. He was, get, he was getting injured a lot over over here and just the style of play he just couldn't he couldn't take that there were players that were playing with him that were that far inferior to him and i get that i get that with star players is when they become managers it's just he thought so much differently than anybody else and anybody's probably ever will be there's probably never going to be another christ in the sport no but i think he's one of those that we're going to look back i mean even though he's been gone for, he's been gone. We're gonna look back thirty years from now and go. He could still, he could still play. He, Christ could have been brought up nowadays. Probably would have been a different. Probably would have been different at this time. He probably gone for many, many more millions than he would have at that time. But he could probably have pulled off his stuff nowadays. Christ broke the rules in giving players who didn't look right. Physically, 
and turned them into absolute world class players. He turned Guardiola into a world class player. He turned a whole. He, he put a whole philosophy into a club. Again, hit back in his quotes. Players today can only shoot with the laces. I could shoot with the inside, the laces, and the outside of both feet. In other words, I was six times better than today's players. And that's just the man summed up in, in a quote. He, he was, and he believed it. And I think his charisma entitled, entitled everyone to listen to him. Do, do you know my favourite quote, Gav? And I, and I think it says a lot about teams and, and fans, especially when you know when they go on the blame game for players when mm-hmm. things happen. And and he says that in my teams, the goalie is the first attacker and the striker is the first defender. And, mm-hmm. and it is so true that I mean every goal comes from a mistake somewhere, whether it be the striker not closing down the first defender and all the way back, and and every goal generally comes from the goalkeeper as well, from the pass from the back. And, it's just, as you say, it's just the way he looks at football. He just breaks it down so simple, yet so effective. And all you have to do, Ali, is look at Barcelona today, the way we play. Yes, the, we the play exactly the way he... Exactly. Yeah. People might find it boring, but it's it's a way of playing. And if you if you adhere to, you know, a foundation, it's if you can perfect that foundation, you're unbeatable. Look, winning's winning. Like, say what you want about any philosophy, any, any stature. If you're winning, it's the right way to play. Yeah, exactly. Stephen, give us your next forward. Uh, winger. Pele. I, Say that again. I hit Pele. 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 I had, to, I had to put Pele on. I know as an American, I don't say his name the right way, and that's just part of the fun of it. I had to put him, I had to put him on there because part of me thinks with the early f- part of soccer is that we really don't, again, I pull out the American ver- version of it, that some of his exploits are a little bit too overhyped. But from some of the people that came here when he, he came to the cosmos on what type of individual he was, is that he just wanted to play. There were, there were points where Pele just didn't get the concept that he was Pele instead of Edison, where he was just coming out to play. I mean, he, him, his Santos team, they, they, they went, toured all over the place, and that was part of what they did back in those days. I mean, here in America, we like to complain about the um, International Champions Cup because you bring over a, you bring over Barcelona, they bring over their C team, and you get charged seventy dollars or ninety pounds to to see a couple players prance around. But this is what the teams used to do. They used to tour all over the world, and that's kind of what did it. I mean. To get to, and to get to this is Pele was not actually allowed to be transferred out of Brazil. He was a national monument. Brazil kept him like it is. To get him to come to to the United States, Henry Kissinger, the Secretary of the United States, Secretary of State of the United States, had to go to Brazil to get him. Not a club, not a club president, not a super fan not a musician, a government official. You try to pull that nowadays, and you're getting looked at sideways. Gav, Pelly, I mean, what more can you say? I mean, he's he's world-renowned as one of the best players, one of the best finishers, the greatest goal scorer in the world. I mean, he's played like a 1,000 games, scored 90,000 goals when you look at the stats. I'm going to be controversial, Addy, and He's overrated. 
that's what you Yeah, and to. the reason I think he's overrated is because growing up, my father had had a massive influence on the way I looked at football. I was always a curious little fucker when it comes to football. I always wanted to hear his stories about players that... A bit like what Stephen's putting out there, the likes of Beckenbart. Players my old lad would have seen play live. And I, I'd mentioned Pele, and he, 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 he'd give you a look... As if to go, oh, yeah, for fuck's sake, Pele. And he'd be like, what about that? He won, the, he won three World Cups. And he goes, yeah, we don't fuck all else. I goes, yeah, but he won three World Cups. And he goes, come in and tell you something. You say about George Best, much better footballers. Now, that's my father telling me this. Um, who the hell am I at a young age to question the man's ability? And I think I've grown up with it. I think when I look at the, the likes of uh, Maradona, I'm sorry, Maradona... Of all the videos I've seen between the two, Maradona is heads and tails above what Pele was. I don't know how you feel about that, Steve. I, I don't know what impact he's had on your life, but personally for me, Pele, I know a lot of people will regard him as one of, as the greatest footballer of all time, but for me, I just think there's been better Brazilian players since. Oh, I would agree with you that there's been better players since, because I think what I think what Pele was was the first overhyped player. Now, that's not saying that Pele was a bad player. He he. There there are teams that would have killed to have that have that ability. But what he brought was the showmanship and people wanting to come and see it. He was really the first international type player that was on this side of the world. Um, I do think, and I have thought about this for years. I think his games and goal scoring record is vastly inflated because they were because I don't know. Have you guys read any of the books around Brazil, Brazil football when they when the World Cup was down there? A lot of it is about the pageantry and like and just pageantry of the game. And that's what I get with Pele is just fun to watch. There were some goals he. There's some stuff he did out there that was fun, but make him better. And I don't like to rank players because, again, different eras. Pele was out of Pele was out as Maradona was coming in. Maradona was out as Messi was coming in. So we don't know with any of this. Could could Lionel Messi be the best player that's ever played the played? Of course. Could Ronaldo be the best player ever? Of course, it's subjective, but that's the fun part of podcasts, writing and shows is that you can debate this. You can say something like that and have a three hour talk about one player. Do you know what I liked about what you just said? The most important thing is you don't like ranking them. And why do we need to rank them? And, and that's why, like myself and Gav, chose like our favorite 11 for this rather than best 11, because... There is no best 11. It is, as, as me and Gav have debated many times, who you prefer. Mm-hmm. It's the type of football you want to play. Many people will pick Ronaldo over Messi. Many people will pick Messi over Ronaldo. But why, why compare them? Why not just sit back and enjoy them and just be grateful that we've got to see them play so many times? Because I don't, I don't think people... It's very hard for a Vertecom fan to... Love, idolise a footballer and also accept that there's another player in the world that's as good as or better 
in case they feel like they're letting their idol down, yeah. even though they may never yeah. ever meet their idol. And yeah, that bothers the crap at me. Yeah. That bothers the crap at me because I'm the first person to say, hands up, in my opinion, today, Messi is heads and tails above anyone else. However, I'm not one of these idiots that turn around and look at Ronaldo and spout shit about him. I respect what he does. I actually, I admire, I, I see the man week in, week out. I've been watching him for the last 10 years. I see what he is. He cannot deny he's a, an amazing footballer. And I suppose it's the same with the likes of Pele and any true world footballer legend. But I'm going to come back to uh, Stephen there. Stephen, it's Ronaldo and Messi don't play. Um, Cristiano and Messi play. Ronaldo retired a long time ago. Let's let's he- show... Let's show a bit of goddamn respect. <laughs> and, you, and you'll be laughing here. I'm doing this whole show in a, in a throwback Fort Lauderdale Strikers jersey, which real Ronaldo actually owns and ran him into the ground, but I'm not going to get into that whole side object. Uh, it's just a pity he wasn't playing for him. Yeah. Oh, he could have come out and played. The funny thing is when he signed to take the team, that was the rumor that they were going to pull him out of retirement and put him out on the field because they were playing at such a low level that he could have been a part-time part-time player. Now, he, they would play at a league lower than what Didier Drogba is playing at right now. So he could have come back many years later and lit the league at fire. But they, when Ronaldo came here to Fort Lauderdale, they, they did the pictures and he went back to Brazil. Give us your last. Um, give us your striker. And I think Gav. I think Gav was hopefully crossing his fingers, thinking that I wouldn't get any Liverpool player in here. That we had gone to. We got into ten players. My final player is the reason why I'm actually a fan of the sport. It's Kenny Dalglish. Kenny Dalglish is a striker. Yeah. Wow. I I had to work him in. Now, see, I never saw Michael Owen, and I don't rank Michael Owen whatsoever. I, and it's more his personality than his play, because that, uh, yeah, that really gets I, me. I, I have to say, yeah, that has to be, because nobody can take away the caliber of player he was, especially when he broke through. But a couple of degrees, he's an absolute wanker. Yeah. But anyway, Kenny yeah. Douglas is who we're talking about. No Michael Owen stuff, because Gav will go mad. Well, it, part of it is because I don't like the prototypical type of player that fits, checks all the marks and is the type that looks like the part. If you walked up to Kenny Daglish, even when he was playing, he just looks like a normal guy. He does, He's kind of like Wayne Gretzky is over here for hockey. Just looks like a guy. But some of the goals he put in when he was playing was a lot of fun to watch. Now, a lot of it is, I'll be honest, Gav, is because I'm a Liverpool fan, and part, that part of it is that's how I got into the sport. But as as I grew into the sport, I looked further, further deep into. He was at Celtic. He he won all sorts of medals, all sorts of cups, and his he just seemed to always be in the right spot at the right time. Ali, my father is a diehard Man United supporter. He has been supporting him all his life since the fifties, and one of his all-time favorite strike uh, players is Kenny Daglish. I think that tells you everything you need to know about the man, mm-hmm. Gav. Um, more than just the the footballer. Uh, I mean, I had him in my team, as as you know, Gav. That's um, right. And he's just 
just as a, I think the the whole Hillsborough thing, um, yeah. emotionally affected obviously everyone uh, around the Liverpool club and and the way Dalglish dealt with it and still does to this day every to this day yeah. yeah, and I think that just tells you everything about him. He came back to manage us um, when we were in turmoil with we owners and that, and took us to a cup final, won us a cup final. Um, it was the right time to go. Fans turned on the owners because they, they sacked him, but it was the right thing to do. They kept him in the club. And he's still involved in the club, and he still goes down to the academy. He's there every week. He sings, you'll never walk alone before the game. He's in tears in certain games. And uh, just as a player, he was he was just wonderful. I mean, he's won everything with Liverpool. He managed us. He, he was a Celtic player, a Scottish international, so all that connection for me. He just means... It means pretty much everything to me. He, he was probably my first football icon, hero, role model, whatever whatever word you want to use to describe him. Um, and for me, if you, you, we, we, you talk about numbers earlier, Stephen, when you spoke about, I can't remember what player he was, you know, the number meant something. And that number seven, for me, if, if you mention seven, it's Kenny Douglas that comes to me. And I know other fans, maybe even your your father, Gavin, I'll, I'll think of other players at United because they had they had the famous number seven as well. But for me, it, it was Douglas. You know, if you mention seven for me, that's that's who I always think of. Yeah, exactly. And in fact, that's the only Liverpool jersey I have is I have a Rome jer- I have a Rome classic jersey with with his seven on it because that's just what it meant. And you you see you see that. He was one of those players that the club actually meant to him. It wasn't a means to an end. And obviously in that time, they weren't making boatloads of money. They were pretty well off by the time he was by the time he was playing. But they're not making money for three generations ahead of them at this point. Yeah, totally. But do you know what another thing I just I've just clipped there? Let's not forget he won the league as the manager with Blackburn. Mm-hmm. You know, I forgot all about it. It just clicked to me there when I was looking at his his Wikipedia. I mean, that's at that time. Uh, I mean, we've spoken about it a few times, Gav. Even the players who were in in that team, that's a great achievement. Absolutely. He's um. This it's, uh, I seen I seen I seen the documentary not too long. Was it? Yeah, a couple of months ago he was um he was on talking and his exploits for Scotland are legendary as well. Oh yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. And it's it's funny. He um when he was since he's still part of the league. Um, Liverpool comes over here to the states a lot because obviously because of Boston, and he's still brought over and does all the signings with it. And people over here, U.S. Reds who are my age and younger, flock to him. I mean, and he's been out of the game for a long time, even. Yeah, he had his spell back, but you got to remember, before that, he hadn't been a coach since the 90s, and people still remembered him. That's kind of the point, is how many of these players can you look at now, even at our age, are still remembered? Yeah, yeah know, but, I mean, for, for Americans' sake, I mean, when he took back over, it was just at the time FSG took over, so... For fucking the, yanks for, yeah for the <laughs> for the for the new fan base that we gathered from America at the time as well obviously it was Hicks and Gillette before that so it was it was more more Americans but t- Kenny Douglas also took us to a cup final and two cup finals where we won one lost one that season so although he hadn't been coaching for a long time just those two finals 
instantly made him a cult hero in America just because of the new set of fans that we'd we'd acquired again at that time. But I, you're, but you are right in your point, over. And, and as I say, it just goes back to what I said about how people like see him as a man, not as, not as a footballer, not as a as a manager, but as the but as the man, Kenny Dalglish, and how approachable. As you say, he just looks like a normal person. Doesn't look like yeah. a you know doesn't look like a famous footballer. Just a down to earth and. Everyone who spoke to him and spoke about him, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm so disappointed that we, we did lose the Michael Beale podcast. Um, and you should just hear Michael Beale speak about it. I mean, this is a fellow manager um, talking about him, and he talks about it in the same way as we're talking about him. You know what I mean? This is like a hero to him. And he's, he just talks about it. He's like, it was just like meeting another guy when he spoke to you. He didn't, you couldn't be starstruck around him because he didn't let you feel like that. He just made it feel like you were meeting up with one of your friends for a pipe. It was excellent. Yeah, yeah exactly. But Stephen, I'm going to call out your team here. In goal, you had Gordon Banks. Right back, you had Danny McGrain from Celtic. You had left back Tommy Gemmell, also Celtic. You had Franz Beckenbauer. I'm going to put down as Bayern Munchen. You had Carlos Alberto for the Cosmos. You had Diego Armando Maradona, Napoli. Carlos Valderrama for Colombia. You'd Ray Hudson for Fort. Sorry, I'm gonna get this Fort Lauderdale. You had <laughs> <laughs> you had a the master himself, Johan Cruyff. You had Pele, and you had Kenny Daglish. And to be fair, I'm actually slightly pissed off because I say it every every fucking week. I mean, it just nobody listens to me. Nobody actually listens to me. And I highlighted it, Gavin. I know what you're gonna I say. Fucking I know, I know, I know, I know, yeah, Stephen, you failed. What have you not done? Oh, I was going to wait until you asked me who my captain oh, was. No, 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 no. Listen, we don't ask you. Have to t- when when you name the player, you tell us the captain. So, Stephen, mm, what, I'm who's your captain? Let me guess. Beckenbauer. Of course it is. <laughs> I, I, have to, I have to needle Gav just a little bit. I mean, I, I can't come on here and be polite and this be a polite podcast where we'll all say, Congratulations and good at the end. You have to, you have to needle the hosts every so often. That's me that gets the abuse from Gav every time, and I, I, I highlight it in the rules every time I do my reduction, and I still take the abuse from it. Oh, well, I'll get it later. Don't worry. <laughs> right, Stephen. Uh, it was a cracking team. Do you have any honourable mentions quickly before we tie up the end of the podcast? Well, I did have one, and I was going to put him on here. And Gav, you guys talked about him is um, George Best. I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of the stuff he's done, and I'm not talking about him when he was over here, because by the time Bestie came over here, he was completely gone. But some of his, some of his goals and some of how he played, some of the stuff I read about him, he, even though he's a Man United guy and played for Hibs and all those type of teams I would not have really liked, I would have loved to go and see him play. Because just the stuff you hear from players who played against him and just how truly great he was, that's one I would have loved. I would love to go and see. I mean, I would love to see everybody on this team, but Best would have been one of those I think I'd walk away with and go, okay, that would have been fun. Gav, didn't, doesn't Dave say he's one of the best players of all time? Yeah, and he's... my father would say he is the best player of all time. That's right, yeah. He, um, people, people, people. People see George Best um, near his latter years where he just kind of given up on the game. But my old lad would always say George Best 
first couple of seasons between 1967 and 1970, you're talking about an absolute enigma. You're talking about a freak of nature. He would beat players. Then to take the piss out of them, he would go back and beat them again. I mean, it's it's if you think about it, it's like, yeah, he'll dribble around them, stop. And instead of going forward towards the goal, he'd go backwards to beat them again because he could. And on those pitches as well, just made it over that. Oh, remarkable. yeah. And, and the tackles he used to enjoy. I mean, Jesus Christ. But he did. I think it's one of those sad things that he was not so much sad. He was from Northern Ireland and he was a proud Northern, Northern Ireland man. But you could imagine George Best being an Englishman in the 70s playing for that English team. Yeah, or even Scotland, like Scotland, yeah, that either, yeah, getting them on a grander stage. Unfortunately, it never happened, and the man led a fairly, I'm not going to say sad life because the man fucking loved everything he'd done. Yeah, I'd take his life, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Anyway, right, that's about time anyway before Dave murders us, Gavin. Mm-hmm. It's been a fairly interesting team to start with, Stephen, uh, for the historical side. Obviously, the, the more well-known players for myself and Gav came later on, so it was a very enjoyable team. Um, do you have anything that you're writing or working on at the moment that you'd like to plug? I've got, I've got a, sh- I've got obviously, I've got my Tuesday show. I've got Yellow Card on Tuesdays. It'll be out on Wednesday. There's stuff I'm needling back, and see, I might be doing some more Estudiante stuff now. That I'm thinking. I've been on here. I was kind of using this for ideas for stuff, and I, I'm slowly putting together something about um, Boca Juniors. Very good. Yep, I'm definitely be sure to check Stephen out on. I said at the start of the pod, what, what's your Twitter handle again, Stephen? I'm at two of them. I'm at Yellow Card Pod, and I my official one is Yellow Card SCB. SCB. It's my initial, Stephen Charles Brandt. And give Stephen a follow. He, he has a great interaction on Twitter. And as you say, for the historical articles, there, there's not many better out there. Gavin, working on anything at the moment? Any La Liga pods out at the moment? Yeah, there's a nice tasty um, sound of La Liga pods that was done during the week. An awful lot of swear words, um, an awful lot of Joey Barton, and an awful lot of El Clasico, which you should check out, which was, it was an enjoyable one. But Joey Barton's a prick. He is, and and the El Clasico chat was actually enjoyable for myself, being a Real Madrid fan. I thought I was going to dread and regret it, Um, but it wasn't too bad. Um, Where can they find you on Twitter as well, Gav? Oh, I don't want to be found, Chief. To be fair, they don't really want to follow you either, they just get abuse. Exactly. And there's nothing from me at the moment. All I can say is thank you, Stephen, for joining us this week. No problem, guys. Thank you, Gav, as always, for having me back. No, you're welcome, Chief. It's, um, it's, it's a struggle. It, it is, as always, buddy, but I've missed you too. You too, babs. Right. I will catch you next week, and to everyone else, just keep listening.